uh, about three years ago now, a chunky move show that she did, and uh, one of the final images was a performer coming out with a tray of candles. And I put those two things together in my mind and just thought, you know, it'll just take me about three years, but one, one, one of these days I'll make a piece with Stephanie Lake using fire-driven kinetic sculptures. But then on the preview, my family came, and my sister, after the show, came straight up to me and said, you've just recreated exactly what was on grandmother's Christmas table when we were kids. And I totally repressed it, but there was a tiny, there, every, every Christmas at my grandmother's, there was a tiny little silver sculpture almost exactly like these, uh, that, and the candles would be lit and they would turn. And my grandmother, the reason I've repressed it is that my grandmother, may she rest in peace, was an absolutely dreadful cook. And she cooked chicken by weight, so an eight-pound chicken would, would deserve a certain amount of time in the oven, and that was it. And uh, as a child, we used to have to cut into this chicken that was pretty much blood and veins. And my father, who's a very gentle man, would look across at the table at me with a fixed kind of stare and actually kick me sometimes. And the whole family understood that we were just all going to do this together. We were all going to eat this chicken. I am getting off subject, but, but the, thing, <laughs> the thing is that it was just a revelation to me. It was a revelation to me that these things had actually been in my life and in my mind in a kind of dark place for quite some time. And it was just that they were re-triggered in the Adelaide Hills. But it was, it's definitely this whole idea of heat and convection and, and, and the remote agency. I'm, I love things that have remote agency where something is affecting something else invisibly. I'm always interested in that. And I think that um, what Stephanie did beautifully was took that into the choreography really, really well. What a great answer. <laughs> Obviously an excellent question. Now, does anybody in the audience have a question they would like to ask? This is really about your chance to ask the company, um, ask for more information about the show or why certain decisions were made. Anyone? Oh, yes. So the question is, could the, somebody in the company talk to the legend itself of Prometheus and why you chose it? Yes. I think you're more equipped. <laughs> I don't want you going off about chicken again, so I'll answer it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we, well, I guess we weren't ever really interested in retelling the, the myth, um, obviously. But um, it seemed, it, it was just intriguing to both of us, this idea of particularly just about consequence and about the the consequences that arrive out of small actions, so the large things that can occur because of small actions. So it seemed appropriate that we were kind of looking at or just informed a little bit by the, by the myth and that idea of, of kind of extreme punishment for, for small things in a way was, was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's contemporary dance, it's not narrative, it's not, we're not trying to tell a story or um, describe anything literally. Um, it's 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 still an abstract work. Is that the is that the right answer? Mm hmm. Hmm. There certainly were other images that I'd forgotten about from the myth, like the moulding of the bodies out of clay and um, 
the kind of bringing the humans to life bit that I could see a little bit. Hmm. Um, now, does any, anybody else have a question? Yes, at the back. So the question was, um, the, it's incredibly intense sound and it's incredibly intense choreography. How did you work together to keep the balance right? Who would like to answer that question? Well, maybe... <laughs> it's Robin. Well, no chicken. I won't even mention my grandmother, if I can, if I can help it. But, um, well, it's interesting. Steph and I met and started making work together a couple of years ago now. And uh, one of the things that I love about working with Steph is that we work very closely together on sound and movement. And uh, I think being a composer working in contemporary dance is a very satisfying area because the sound is such an integral part of what's happening. It's, it's almost half of what's going on, really. And um, we, you know, I, I come from a, from a background of, of noise and I've spent quite a few years sort of punishing people with, with uh, noise. And I think Steph had come from uh, an area that uh, I guess it was more was more beautiful than the area that I was working in, and I think in this kind of I hate to say the sort of beauty and the beast kind of way we came, we came together, and I think I think in some ways we we temper each other a little bit in the sense that that uh, a lot of the music I make when I'm working with Steph is very different to the music that I might make otherwise, and maybe some of the choreography that Steph is drawn to through working with some of the the noisier aspects of my sound has drawn her into a, into a different place. But um, because we also live together, it's kind of interesting. So if I'm working on something in my studio, she might pop her head in the door and say, I like that, and I'll <laughs> earmark it for the Stephanie Lake folder, and that goes in there. But also, um, apart from working separately on choreography and sound, as we always do, we're always doing that in our daily lives on various projects. When we do come together in the studio, we do tend to work very closely together. And so the reason, well, I mean, I hope that we maintain the balance that you're talking about. And I think part of maintaining that balance is actually working closely together. And so I think the intensity of the choreography matches the intensity of the music and, and vice versa. The, it goes both ways. The dancers like to talk about that, how intense it is, how you work within that musical landscape. No. Is that, is, is, do you think that's an okay question? Um, <laughs> just chat about it. Um, well, I suppose, I mean, it was, I was having a conversation with somebody in the foyer yesterday after opening night, and we were talking a lot about the sound, and um, it occurred to me a lot of times performing other works, the sound is there, but you don't, you're not always hearing it all the time. But in this piece, you're very much connected to the sound. And what you're doing is connected to the sound in a very potent way. And you're always hearing it, and it's always informing you. Um, and it is quite intense. It feels like this isn't on. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> um, it is quite intense, but I think also... Um, and maybe Steph or Rob could talk to this as well. I think there was, um, it was always about a qualitative intensity rather than kind of dramatic. We never kind of 
I don't think we ever really went into totally like dramatic territory that the intensity would kind of rile up into something um, bigger than just the, the qualitative information that we were dealing with. So I think that was one way that it seemed like you were dealing with not letting the intensity get completely like saturating that it was always about like the texture that was the texture in the movement and the texture in the sound so I'm just I can't remember who asked the question <laughs> um, personally I've and I've worked with Robin before and he's done sound for work of mine and it's that um, shift between Robin offering up sound and kind of you as a choreographer choreographing to that and then the flip side of that when you choreograph something and Robin can compose something for that movement. So I find with the question how it kind of marries together in that way kind of cohesively I think is a combination of those two things that it's a real kind of give and take between sound composition and choreography and they kind of merge from different places but always find a common ground somehow so it doesn't one doesn't always overwhelm the other in that way did that answer the question <laughs> thank you does anyone else have a question so the question is how does the magic happen what is the process to make the magic happen? Where does the fire come from? Where does the Promethean fire come from? Uh, well, well, firstly, the, the dancers have a huge part in, in the making of the piece. It's really collaborative in the studio. Um, and it's, 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 there's not a formula for making works. It's, it's often different from piece to piece. But, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the part of, of polishing it and making it all synchronised. I, I love that part. That part's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. It's the, <laughs> it's the early stages of, of going from um, just to having, having an idea, having some kind of starting point, really, because we don't work with a script. There's nothing, you know, you, you, you walk into a studio and you're just faced with five people just looking at you like, yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably like, wake up, get up, I need you to do something. Um, but yeah, it's really like, you, oh, it, there's so much trust involved really, you really have to um, invite people into the process who you can just, um, you, it's, it's like, you're having to make the work. It's like being a painter or something and having people watching you all the time. That's all they can... Um, that's, you know, it's, it, you feel so vulnerable making work. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so so it's, it's incredibly important who it is that you're working with. Um, but I make a lot of the material. I enjoy making the dance movement. I, I really enjoy movement invention and and choreography itself. So I do make a lot of the movement, but then I really invite the dancers to, to extrapolate and, and, um, and extend and, and then combine and make it into duets and trios. And we, we just, we play and play and play. And we work and work and work. It's really hard work. But um, yeah, and then, it, then you kind of get to this point where you have all these dangly bits and there are all sorts of little bits and pieces that don't really seem to 
you wonder if it's anything at all and then you just have to, you know, the deadline's looming and you start to just put it together and somehow it becomes something. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm not saying the pieces are me. I'm just saying it's amazing that it ha- <laughs> it's amazing that it happens. It's amazing that it happens because there's always this point where you just think it's not going to happen, but it does. It does. It does tend to happen. Yeah. Thank you. There was a question at the back. Again, another question in the back. There's questions from the front and the back, and not many from the middle tonight. So please, what what was your question? So the question is. Yes. Is there any improvisation going on? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think things happen that you um, that, that are so unexpected because, yet in the heat of the moment, we all talk about it, but um, you can't really account for things. Um, Unless, yeah, when you're right in the moment, you can't really, you have no idea what's going to happen sometimes. Falling down and um, walking into booms. <laughs> so um, I think you've, there's that thing of just being completely present, which lends to, to um, yeah, allowing improvisation to come in and come out. Um, yeah. Also, there's quite a few... Um, structures in this work that are always open but to a certain extent like we we understand um how we're gonna enter the space and in in what kind of way we're going to be moving and when we need to be with this person when we need to get here what cue in the sound is going to mean this part but but we kind of fill in the we color it in every night different slightly differently and i think in this work, there's actually quite a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so the part, the part where um, kind of one person is falling and we're catching them, um, that is, that's improvised. Mm. And the shake, the shaking section is, is, um, is the same in this. Oh yeah, the, the the kind of attacking Lee. Yeah. So all of those, like the the qualities, are all um, known and very specific, um, and the kind of order of the sequence is very specific, and the the cueing is very specific. But the movement that happens inside of that is always different. Yeah. Which makes for quite a like. Um, a live sense of performing together each each time because you're really kind of with each moment as it's moving forward you it never kind of you can never really like settle into familiarity with it mm. Mm. And there was there was a an arming and ahhing at one stage about maybe setting the when one person falls and they get lifted up but then it was kind of the decision that it kind of takes the excitement out of it because you never know which way the person's going to fall. And if you knew that, then you'd kind of be ready for it and it wouldn't be as, yeah, spontaneous. And sometimes people fall on their face and that, you know, it just happens. But if it was choreographed, it wouldn't be nearly as kind of 
a visceral experience for the audience to watch because it kind of gets dangerous when it's improvised or looks dangerous. It's not that dangerous, but sometimes. Okay. <laughs> um, does anyone else have a question? Oh, two at once. Uh, you please first, then we'll come to you. It's much harder than it looks. Uh, well, it takes two to tango, so... <laughs> um, well, it's just about like a transfer of weight and um, allowing it to come through your body in a way that it can go through into the ground. So, um, I think Alana supports that as well. I've got my beer. <laughs> um, the, the lift where um, Rennie goes up over my back oh, in the trio. Yeah, yeah it's sort of um, allowing the momentum to take him through my body and the point, point of contact supports that. Yeah, I did. Well, I'm, I'm pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like lifting okay. and being caught, as you can probably see. <laughs> yeah. So the question is about whether there's a connection between the, two, the trope of fire and the trope of electricity as to motifs or um, movement styles. Is that right? Modes of energy, yes. Who can answer that one? Well, I think for me there's, there's sort of um, very little difference between all modes of energy. So in, in, in every way, electricity is a, is a form of heat, just as fire is a form of heat, and just like light is a form of heat, and sound essentially is a very, very, very cold form of heat. You know? but, but all of these things, to me, have, are, are one and the same. So I guess... I wasn't really, um, in terms of my design with the, with the fire and with the uh, sound, there wasn't really any attempt to create a tension between those things. There was just absolutely no delineation between those things for me. So I guess, um, yeah, not, not quite a tension, but... I mean, if it came across as a tension, that, that's great, but just for, for me, there's no tension. It's just, it's all part of, I guess, a continuum from, from one form of energy to another. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great question. I think um, just recently for me, choreographically, I've just become interested in this particular type of movement, this kind of vibratory, um, almost ecstatic way of moving. And I can't explain that. I don't know why, but um, it's been creeping into a few works. And so, um, yeah, it was it was just something, I, I think, and, and partly it, it has come out of the collaboration with Robin, really. Um, because I just I, I hear that there's so much crackle and so much um, kind of um, yeah it, kind of, it, it sounds internal to me a lot of his sound and so it just for me it inspires that that kind of movement and I think one of the things that um, that links Robin and I is an idea in uh, uh, an interest in intention actually is tension between states and transition between states. So, yeah, I, I guess we're always subconsciously looking for those, those points of balance or, um, yeah, the, those extremes and the, the movement between those extremes. 
Thank you. Now we've got time for one more question. Does anybody have one? So the question is, was this show commissioned by the Melbourne Festival? And is that a rare thing? I believe it's a really rare thing. And, I, and hopefully um, they deem this successful and will continue to, to commission work. Um, but yeah, we, we felt incredibly lucky. We did a first development of this piece 18 months ago um, with no... Um, with no outcome, you know, we were hoping to, to find presentation partners, but it took, it took a while and it kind of cooled off after we'd done that first rehearsal period and nothing was really happening, it hadn't been picked up. And then we, we had a meeting with the Melbourne Festival and they took it without having seen the, the work, just based on our pitch. It was kind of incredible. And, um, and we felt really lucky, and then and a co-presentation with, with Arts House as well. So with the two organisations supporting it, we managed to get it up. Um, but yeah, I, I feel incredibly fortunate for that, because I think um, it's helped to reach a, a bigger audience as well, which is great. Okay then, so I'd just like to say thank you to the company for taking the time to speak to us tonight. It, we really appreciate it. And it's a rare, ex a rare um, pleasure to be able to hear from the creators of such an extraordinary work. So thank you very much. And you are on until Sunday. So please tell your friends uh, it's sold out. Please, t <laughs> please tell your friends it's sold out. <laughs> so thank you very much. And um, would you join me in thanking uh, the company of Small Prometheus?